COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadjo Karamantang. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Welcome, Quadcast Nation Solving Wellness community. This is part of our free month. We're talking to some of the world's experts on anything wellness, and I'm really excited to bring to you Tina McKinnis. But before doing that, for those that have not signed up for Solving Wellness, type in SW in the, in the chat box on the comment section, and you get a link to, to sign up. $99 for the year, $9.99 per month, free month. Know what I'm saying? It's beautiful. Changing the boogie is what we're doing. Okay, so now I want to introduce you to Tina McKinnis, physician turned coach. I can't tell you how excited I am to, to talk to Tina because we have a lot of commonalities. She really has that foundation of why, you know, fitness, nutrition, sleep, all the basics matter so much and how ultimately it, it gets us to the better side. It just, it, it's all about, that's all about wellness. And so we have a, a few mutual friends, so it's kind of great to actually see each other for the first time, but Dr. Tina McKinnis, welcome to the Thank podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I really, uh, I appreciate that you uh, were open to having me on your, your podcast. No, absolutely. You know, it was James McDonald that really pumped up your tires. He's my neighbor and also our kids play on the same hockey team. And he's like, you, you need to get Tina on the show. You need to get I Tina. I miss that like, guy. I miss him. I saw him all the time at the gym. But oh, we're that, that energy, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe we could start, Tina, like, what, what's your story, right? Because like, you went from doctor to coach. So walk us through how you end up where you are now. Sure. I'm very open about my journey um, and all the personal parts of it too, because I think it speaks to people and it tells them something and maybe even connects them to me in a way that's really important to me now in my work, because you have to know, you know, your coach and connect with that person. So um, I studied uh, medicine at university of Toronto, uh, did my internal medicine residency there um, and then uh, finished uh, with a general internal medicine fellowship 
Um, I worked at Sunnybrook Hospital as a hospitalist in their emergency department. Um, and shortly thereafter, I got pregnant with my first child. We, um, uh, my husband and I, we, we then had another child very soon after. It was actually a funny story if I could just digress, but I showed up back at work day one after my initial maternity leave. And I said, you know, I'm going to send my urine to the lab because I have a feeling. And the nurses just like, they, got, they came running with the result and they're like, lady, you're not with us for too long. So it was the <laughs> second one came and then the third one came and all this time off. And we in that time moved cities and my husband started working as a radiologist here in Ottawa. At the time he was training with the Marathon Brooks, like the Brooks project. So like, you know, training pretty intensely working. I was home with these three kids and honestly I was disconnected, right? Um, and I suffered a mental health uh, crisis. So um, I had to rebuild myself mentally first and then, you know, physically before I could consider then what I was going to do, sort of what job might I look for in Ottawa. And I remember kind of dabbling early on in medicine and seeing if I could do something similar to what I was doing in Toronto. Nothing really quite appealed. It was either all in or all out. And I thought I can't balance life with that right now anyways, right? So uh, I kept working on myself and I raised my kids and I became quite fit and people noticed, started noticing the physical transformation and said to me, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just, you know, working out really consistently in a way that I've hardly ever done in my life. And it was in part to kind of help me heal mentally, of course. Um, but it was not with any specific purpose. It was just that it was getting myself healthy again. And I started sleeping better and I started eating better. And, uh, and then the more people asked me about this, the more I sort of said, well, maybe I'll, I'll share this passion with others. And I became a fitness instructor and led group fitness, lots of energy. People loved it. We had so much fun. It was dance fitness. It was high intensity stuff, all kinds of things. And then it kind of graduated away from that towards strength training. And I, I became a, a certified personal trainer through the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology. I went to work at a gym, a, a premium performance fitness center, where my personal coach and head coach uh, there is uh, now my mentor in strength and conditioning. Like, so he's taught me um, tons and tons over the last three years. Uh, Dave Fontaine, an incredible person. And so I developed this expertise. And, you know, during all this time, I kept thinking, am I ever going back? But then it, it just kept evolving. So I, I started giving people strength training programs and fitness programs and realizing, you know, they, they do it for a time and it doesn't really stick. What's missing? Okay, well, the nutrition bit's missing. So I became a certified nutrition coach through Precision Nutrition. Um, great, helping people kind of bring better nutrition to their lives. This complements the, the outcome. But even that was sort of fleeting results, not really what I wanted. And then I realized people aren't sleeping. So how can they adhere to anything when, you know, and so it sort of just snowballed into this thing where now I'm, I'm, I'm a coach and anyone who signs on with me, they never quite realize at the beginning what they're getting themselves into because the things that we end up delving into go way beyond what they ever imagined they were getting out of a coaching relationship. But it's in that, it's in magic there in opening up to one another, figuring out what the real roadblocks are towards achieving better health. And there always are, right? 
Mm. Like it's never about a program and I don't know what to do. It's the, why aren't you doing what you know that you need to be doing? What life obstacles are present that I can help you with? And so then, you know, this, this became the thing. And Mm -hmm. I can, I can honestly say that the transformations I've seen among some of my clients has made it completely, uh, a, it's just, you know, it's incredibly um, worthwhile, very fulfilling. And it kind of made me realize I was helping to prevent people ending up needing the very specialist I used to be. And how great is that? Because honestly, you know, by the time they needed me at Sunnybrook Hospital, they had 30 years worth of damage, metabolic Mm. damage, cardiovascular damage. And from what? lifestyle disease. Mm. And if I could prevent that, what an impact I could make. Wow. I, I mean, Tina, this is what the power is in this. This is why I'm so, was so excited to throw down, like, listen to this people. She was doing the frontline work, seeing people at their most vulnerable, sickest in hospital, needing to be admitted to hospital because of their ailments, but now tying it and realizing Man, if I could intervene earlier and I could I could look at the and what I also like what you're saying, Tina, too, is like root cause. Like what is what are the barriers that are preventing you from getting healthy? Because a lot of it is, you know, like what's going on psychologically or emotionally. But getting down to that root cause and being there for people to prevent them from landing in in Sunnybrook or in, in, in emergency department. And I, I got to tell you on a personal level, this has been a big motivator for me, for, for me doing content like this. When you see people land in your ICU of all ages, I mean, pre COVID, but m- mostly I was pushed through COVID seeing that they had, you know, lifestyle disease, as you mentioned, their diabetes or hypertension, their obesity, and knowing that we could do something about it. And, and really and really trying to intervene earlier. So I really love the, the, the journey, Tina. I really love what you're all about. I'm wondering if you could speak to, because I think this, I didn't think we were going to go there, but I think it's worth mentioning. Like, what are some of the, the barriers that you do find amongst your clients? Because I, I, I could count, I know so many people, they're like, I've tried this diet. I've tried fasting. I've tried high intensity interval training, all this stuff. It's not working for me. And as you said, sometimes you got to get to the root. What's mm. the barrier? So what, what, what kind of um, themes have you noticed as being barriers for, for improvement? I think the number one thing is that people initiate interventions that are too much of a dramatic departure from the status quo. Mm. And they, um, they want to leap into fitness or health where they need to walk, you know, you, you need to, frankly, you need to crawl before you can walk before you can run. And it's, it's trying to skip steps in that journey that often leads people to fail time and again. Mm. Right. And it's, it's tempting to want to say, okay, January 1st or whatever, first sunny day, whatever we see peaks right in our consultations and they're predictable. And it's when people finally say, okay, that's it now. Um, That can't be the approach. You have to be ready to make a lifestyle change. And what does that mean? It means making subtle habit adjustments one at a time. Mm. And it takes a long time 
to fix a, like a, a habit, something that's become ingrained in your behavior by virtue of repetition and your own coping styles, for example. There is something that you've learned throughout your whole life. It's not going to be a quick fix. So stopping looking for the quick fix is probably the first thing. I try and educate people to buy in, if you will, to my concept of change, which is habit-based. Okay. And I'm, I'm starting this book called Atomic Habits. I'm very excited to. Oh, it's good. Have you read it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've listened okay. to it. It's, it's, we'll talk about it. You know you what I mean? Like, yeah. I have nothing to say right now because I haven't read it, but I've, I, the opening story I found upsetting. So I, like as a parent, anyways, but the, the idea is there. And I think people are understanding that in order to change a lifestyle, you have to change your daily habits. So pitfall number one is that. So trying to change people's mentality and buy into the slow versus the fast lane. And there may be times when we can enter the fast lane. I always use a ton of analogies. I'm like, let's get in the slow lane. Life is too stressful. Okay. You can't go in that fast lane right now because you're not sleeping. You're not, you're not, you've got like your job is changing. You've got too many things. And, and there will be windows of time where we can step out and go faster and push the gas pedal on. What does that mean? Well, we can make more dramatic changes with respect to your current diet patterns and whatever. But for now, if I just get you to eat, three extra servings of vegetables a day, you're doing amazing things for your health. And people think this is not going to get me where I want to be. Yes, it will, but you can't give up. It's consistent application of the basics and people are not doing the basics. They're jumping in and they're saying, what do I, how do I, you know, nutrient timing, like fasting and all this, these are decorations on a cake. You don't have the foundation there. You know, and so I, so what are the barriers? That's one jumping in too soon and thinking that it's going to be a dramatic result when it's not, it's habits that are layered in little by little. And then it's, it's, it's down to the other thing. You have to buy into the fact that results come from a holistic approach. So rather than saying, okay, well, I know that if I hit the workouts harder, I'm going to, you know, get somewhere or some people are at the nutrition, you know, camp and they, they say, I'm going to hit the nutrition button really hard. It's, it's failing to see that this is everything. If you're not sleeping, forget about recovering from workouts, forget about being able to maintain the energy and motivation to keep doing this and forget about recovery, like, you know, and preparing food, same thing. I mean, it comes down to having food available, constantly making homemade food. And if you don't have um, stress in, in, in check and sleep in check, you cannot, you simply cannot keep that in check. So we're looking at the whole picture. And then when we, we look at how come people then can't carry through on, for example, getting to bed on time, um, setting uh some limits around their own personal time to make time for meal preparation and sleep and all this. Then you start to get into these dark areas of like, okay, how do you, are you good at setting limits and saying no? Are you good at understanding what works for you, your self image, your own personal uh, narrative? Like, is it, uh, oh, I'll never get it. Then we work on that. Um, is it something related to efficiency? You know, in medicine, we became very efficient. You know what I mean? If mm -hmm. you weren't, forget it. You didn't get anything done. The military is very much like that too, but not every avenue of life presents people with an opportunity 
to kind of squish a lot of things in a short period of time. And practice makes that better. So if you're inefficient with your time, you've lost sight of how to prioritize things, okay? Time management things. And so, and, and a lot of parents get lost in this, right? So they now have a job and they have their parenting role and self is lost. They don't know how to protect time for self. And so it's those kinds of things that come out as barriers. Mm-hmm. No, there's so much gold in there. And one, one thing I wanted to jump on is the, um, what I really like about what you're saying, Tina, like gradual, like you mm-hmm. can't expect you to, you know, to, to lose that 10 pounds in a week and it'd be good. You know what I mean? Like you got to have, it's got to be gradual if you want to have it like sustained. Right. And to set realistic goals. And sometimes it's not going to be like, you could create wins that are more process driven. Like I, I, if you got to the gym, for example, your goal was to do it three times that week and you got to the gym three times that week. That's a W celebrate that. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Cause you're going to be in a better spot if you did not go to the gym, even if it, the workout was like not your Crappy, finest. Yeah. It could be 10 minutes that you, and you walked out, but you went, you went. So you, you, you're going to get, it's leading to your goals, ultimate goals. And it gives you that kind of like resilient muscle that, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that, that mindset that you can do what you, 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 you set your mind to. The other thing I, I really enjoyed what you're mentioning, Tina is like, the habit formation. Mm-hmm. I like, I'll let you get into that book, but sometimes it's about creating these super like uh, taking away barriers. For example, one of the, the, the ones that I, I like to use so simple Two of them actually is first thing in the morning. If I'm, I don't often like do mega workouts in the morning, but if I'm, um, if I'm set to do it, I put my workout, equi- my workout gear, like out. right beside my, right beside my bed. So it's like the first thing I put on, when I get out of bed, the other one I'll do is I'll put a, like almost a liter of water right beside my bed. I'm like, that's I'm going to down that before I start my day. So I've got my hydration set up. I got my, my, uh, my, uh, workout gear all there. And it's that much harder to say no. So it's yeah. helping me create that habit, giving me that nudge. And you know what? It's not that hard to do. No, you know what I mean? You have to create the environment for it. Right. And, and it's, it's creating the queuing and the environment and the same goes for food. So good Mm -hmm. luck to you. If you think, and I can talk all about this too. So much of good eating has absolutely nothing to do with food choice and willpower and all the things that people like to talk about when it comes to eating better, it comes to planning and preparing and creating an environment for success. We live in a world full of pollutants. I was saying this to somebody. We have noise pollution, light pollution. You know, we have food pollution. Industrialized food is ruining our health. Mm, Okay. 100%. You know, and if you can navigate this minefield of pollution and create an environment that is, is, is less full of noise, if you will, Mm. then you will successfully be able to create the health habits that will leave you a healthy, lean body and mentally intact. But if you're getting trapped up in all of the, you know, you're stepping on every pile of crap that's out there. And there are so many, there's a temptation to stay on a screen and expose ourselves to blue light way longer than we're supposed to eroding our melatonin. Then we can't get to sleep. We wonder why 
uh, we're exposed to far too much mental stimulus. Um, the stress load is, is cumulative and we don't perceive it. We've lost touch with what it feels like to feel, be calm and not be rushed. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I like, let's jump into it a bit, Tina. So, like, our audience, healthcare providers, and and we could start. Like, we touched upon the the nutrition aspect of things, but maybe we'll get like just really uh, hammer it out. Like, when it comes to ways of optimizing your nutrition, so you're saying like it is a lot of it is about prep and environment. Can you give specific tips or examples for our healthcare providers? A hundred percent. I mean, people, when they're really busy, they need to um, choose a moment uh, in their week. It doesn't have to be a long time to just kind of put together a a simple menu for the week. Okay. And focus maybe on uh, two meals in the day. Most families are, you know, thinking mostly about what dinner is, right? But we can extend that to help you eat a better lunch. And I'll explain how in a second. But let's let's say, okay, you look at your week ahead. You want to get out five good meals. What do those meals look like? Creating that grocery list, going to the grocery store, uh, buying only what's on your list. Okay. The grocery store is specifically laid out to sell us the, that food pollution. It depends where you shop. Some places are worse than others. I do like the fact you call it food pollution because it it really puts things in perspective. Yeah, yeah. You have to, it's hard to, you know, but you have to walk through that. And what's going to help you? Well, don't go there hungry, but also, you know, stick to what's on your list. If it doesn't belong in one of the meals that you've put together, then don't put it in your cart. Don't have a moment where you're like, well, this looks lovely because it's chocolate covered pretzels. And I say, well, you know, that doesn't really have its, place in anyone's holistic nutrition plan. Um, And the less you bring home like that, the less you're going to be tempted to eat it. If it's not there, you can't eat it. And then solid nutrition like is centered around good quality meals. And now imagine you making twice as much as you normally would for any dinner and having leftovers for your lunch the next day. Amen. Because often people are missing lunch. A quality lunch, I think, is the number one thing affecting people's proper nutrition. So they, they eat a lunch that's processed foods or something on the go or an energy bar or something crappy like this. By the end of the day, they've amassed so much hunger that's been, but it's kind of been pushed down because they're busy and distracted. And then they get home and they're ravenous and they're raiding the cupboard, which is full of those things that they bought that they shouldn't have. And, and they, you know, they can get ahead of their hunger just by planning to bring a lunch. And it, it could be just the simplest way to do that is to bring a leftover, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, the only other thing to think about is maybe starting the, the day off with a decent breakfast. But most people are really good with not too much variety there. You'd, you'd be amazed. People like more variety in the, the rest of their meals, but breakfast, they're okay to eat the same thing. Choose a high protein, high fiber, healthy fat diet uh, breakfast, and you're good to go until that lunchtime. It'll keep your energy up. And then you've anchored your day in three solid meals and hopefully stayed away from the munchy stuff that frankly, snack food rarely comes in the best form. If you need a snack, have lots of high fiber vegetables. So when you go to the store, you know, bring home portable things like uh, apples and pears and oranges and, you know, maybe a few raw nuts to round it out. 
Um, these are the kinds of snack foods you should be looking for, as opposed to the crackers, the granola bars, the cookies, the other things. And this is for our children's sake, too. Very good points. Do you do you give much thought to the macros, like what per, like what percent of your meals are protein, carb, or, do you, or is it just more like focusing on the whole foods elements, like not processed? Most, well, I mean, so that's step one, right? And this goes back to the layering of habits. So if you're trying to jump the gun and you're trying to look at your macro splits, well, do you, for example, already have a baseline of eating five colorful fruits and vegetables every day? You know, uh, each color group of vegetable, white, purple, orange, red, you know, yellow, they all offer different phytonutrients. They're like nature's, you know, vitamin. And here we are ingesting all kinds of pills um, when really everything we need is out there. Antioxidants, cancer fighting agents, they're all out there in these colorful fruits and vegetables. But if we're not eating them, we're not feeling good and we're not getting the most from our food. So if you've nailed that, right, and most people haven't, then you go to the next thing. Well, you know, are you having enough protein? And for all the literature out there, you know, and a lot of the data and nutrition I find comes out of the States and they're saying, well, there's a high preponderance of meat protein. That's not what I'm finding. I'm actually finding mostly people have a protein deficient diet. Protein makes a brief appearance in dinner sometimes, but rest of the day, nothing. So rather than focusing on macro splits and percentages, I tell people, you know, have a protein dense food uh, that's the size of one palm. If you're a smaller person or two of your palms, you know, three times a day um, to start. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, if you can, if you do that for months and months on end, and you're generally nailing it with say, you know, one to three servings um, of high protein, and you have to know what that means. So then some people need education about what lean protein is, Right. Uh, it's not necessarily a sausage. The animal fat is detrimental. So how do we make better choices? I always pull it back to the basics because I have yet to find anyone that I've coached that's nailing those basics. Yeah, no, I, that's that's so good. Like from all cylinders, whole foods, worry yeah. about the micros as a layer. Yeah, uh, and, layer it uh, in later. later. Yeah. If you're a high-end You know, we sort of assign levels in precision nutrition. There's this concept of nutritional level. If you're level one, you're just going to work on these basics. Very few people make it to level two elites in terms of athletics, people who have folks measuring for them, their, you know, girths, their weights, their body fat percentage, and then prescribing macros, then we're level three. But you Mm -hmm. see how that's like a thin echelon of like, you know, the population the vast majority of people are finding themselves not doing the basics. And so I don't even like to entertain concepts of fasting until we've got, you know, a solid base base. Yeah. Same with uh, uh, physical activity, right? Actually, nice transition. You know, when it comes to tips for whether it's healthcare professionals or not, in, in terms of getting the most out of their, their physical activity, you know, what, what kind of principles do you think about Tina to, to really help them achieve their goals? Well, I mean, again, layers, right? So the first question is, are you doing the minimum physical activity as per Canadian guidelines for health outcomes? Mm-hmm. Health outcomes should concern us first and foremost beyond, I mean, well before body composition perfection and, 
you know, uh, uh, athletic goals, okay, comes health. And so from those guidelines, we know that um, adults need to be accumulating 150 minutes a week of moderate to vigorous physical activity. And, and, and so, you know, you, you can't count a little walk. You have to moderate to vigorous means something that leaves you at least a little bit breathless, vigorous being quite breathless. Okay. And that's something like 30 minutes, five days a week, right. To get to the minimums for health minimums, 80% of North American people are not getting the minimum. And once you've got that layer, because that the data is strong for that, right. So we see better cardiovascular outcomes, metabolic outcomes, uh, reduction in cancer risk, reduction in mental health. Um, all of those outcomes relate to those minimums. Okay. Anything above that, great. But the minimum is what you need um, for health. And then if you've got that foundation, then you add the strength training. So two 45-minute sessions a week of properly, you know, a full body training program. And that's, again, strengthening muscles, tendons, ligaments, joints, um, joint health, uh, alignment, um, postural pain re reduce, reduction. But of course, again, that metabolic disease pops in because we're losing muscle mass as we age. And as a function of that, we're less insulin sensitive. We are getting you know, into trouble with our, our blood sugar control. And so that is kind of the base and again, if people aren't doing that, we start there and we find things that they like to do or at least can tolerate doing. And I build accountability for it, right? Because at the beginning, people do need that. They need encouragement. They need support. They need accountability to make it a habit. And then once they're off and running, then we can talk about next level, right? Mm -hmm. The next level might be to actually physically change the appearance of one's body through more strength training, or it might be to compete in an event like a running race or something like this. Right. And what I also uh, appreciate you mentioning Tina, and we talked a little bit about this before our conversation was that you, this is an area where you get to really personalize the approach, right? Like this is, you know, if you're looking for that, that half an, that 150 minutes, maybe it's, playing basketball with your kid outside. Maybe it's playing soccer. Maybe it's going for a run. Maybe it's a Zumba class. Got a lot yep. of Zumba in our neighborhood. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a real, it's a real opportunity to think about how can I like yeah. the, the psychological component, what will really engage that person and get them excited to get healthy? Because I'll tell you my bias, you can find something for everybody. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you can. Like, you surely can. Yeah. And, and, and the other piece of that is I, I just want to also really emphasize the value of resistance training and, and, and lifting weights, you know, there's that physical aspect, but the, to me also the mental health, yeah. the, um, the, the, the aspect, the psychological aspect of you building on building on that you could see yourself get stronger. You could see, you have a goal, you're able to achieve it. And the fact that it is so good on insulin sensitivity, yeah. I, I, I meant to bring this up with you. I, did, I don't know if you've ever played with the, one of our uh, sponsors uh, from earlier was Nutrisense and they, 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 I got to play with the continuous glucose monitor. Oh, you um, did. And yeah. you saw your own blood sugar uh, fluctuations. Oh in the my day? God. It, it's crazy. We'll talk about that. All yeah. Time. Maybe I, like I, that's one of those things. It's like, I don't want an MRI of my hips. Cause I don't even want to know what's going on in there. <laughs> no, but it was super fascinating actually, because you would notice things like, 
white rice and like if I took a cookie versus white rice, white rice would be worse, right? For in terms of fluctuations, yeah. like yeah. And keep in mind, like your glucose is not going to fluctuate that much. It's all relative. But you do a leg day, like a resistance, like your glucose was like this the whole time, no matter what I ate. That's incredible. That's oh, incredible. I wish so I, yeah. Seeing those kinds of real life, uh, yeah. Real time sort of results. It's, it's for real. Like yeah. insulin will, you, you will become better at managing your blood sugar with muscle activation, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if, if, and you know, I'm going to make a plug here for women's health because I see Do so it. much transition for women who embrace strength training, get under that barbell. They're intimidated. And I don't like that. I want them to come to the gym. I want them to push some heavy weights because the confidence boost is incredible. And one of my side shows is working with young women in particular in, in the realm of body image. It's, it's a crisis, frankly, it's always been, but it's, it's heightened by social media and it's affecting our young women. And, um, and I want them to grow into confident body loving women and by virtue of what their bodies can do. And yeah. And it's incredible. The uh, empowerment that comes from lifting something heavy. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know if this is, I gotta think of this as politically correct to say, but I do I, I think it is brilliant that the, the there's been this movement in terms of body image that strength has been a focus, like yeah. functional strength is a focus because it's health is for all the reasons you mentioned, but it's, it's so much healthier. The, the aspects on the mental health, it's I, I really hope we continue this movement because mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's better for from all aspects. Um, yeah. And I think I think uh, one thing is that it. it it feels inaccessible for so many reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the reasons is like uh, people, well, right now, obviously, people don't have access to gyms. Um, and even when they do, that's not universally accept- accessible. Mm-hmm. Some come that's with true. a very high price tag. And Absolutely. you don't, that's the, you know, you need equipment, but no, you don't. So to do some pretty amazing things, you need properly structured programming and, um, some education about how to do it properly. Um, Mm. And that there is an upfront investment there, unfortunately, you know, but as much as I can give to the community that you're creating in terms Mm. of increasing, you know, one's proficiency to guide themselves, people uh, in their own home-based strength programming, I think we would be doing people a world of good, right? With simple at-home equipment. Yeah. Absolutely. A little bit of upfront investment. And then I'll be, I'll be honest with you. We had um, one of my favorite strength coaches and conditioning coaches of all time. His name's Dan John. And he, he, we did a show about a year ago in terms of how you stay fit during the pandemic. And he, he, he was mentioning something as simple as like, do your air squat or whatever, but do it like I'm doing it live here. Do it at real gradual. Do yeah, 15 yeah. of these. Do it yeah, real yeah. gradual and then end with a, like a, a jump squad or whatever. Yeah, and do yeah. that 15 times and tell me your legs ain't burning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, there are know. ways. We can make it happen. We can yeah. cause muscle destruction right there in your own home in your living room. Yes. Yeah. And this is what I'm just a quick plug for solving wellness. This is what our, our instructors have been doing. Pete, Shaw, uh, Pierre, uh, Pierre as well. He like this is a beautiful thing. Like you could do it on your break without equipment, minimal equipment, just to once again promote that level of fitness. And I know Tina is all about that too. 
Um, I think, you know, the other thing, you know, just kind of thinking about the fundamentals when it comes down to it, because we touched on it a bit, is like, also, we got to comment on sleep. Like a mm-hmm. lot of people struggling yeah. on, on that. Yeah. So like kind of in your mind, common themes or advice that you've been given to your clients? Yeah, it, it comes back to sleep hygiene 101, right? Mm-hmm. Um, things that work for everybody and you have to start there. So there's no sense because people want to run to the supplement store. Maybe I should take melatonin. Maybe I should take L-theanine, whatever. There's a number of things out there um, to help you relax. Um, but remember, we spoke about blue wavelengths of light that are coming through your screen, you know, well, you know, past the number of wakeful hours that we're supposed to be exposed to these kinds of natural wavelengths. Um, and so that degrades your erode, like it degrades your melatonin. So uh, one simple intervention is if if you're using a screen, um, use it only as much as you have to. We, we heard from Adrian last week about how that's true for children. So mm-hmm. increasingly in this time, we can't allow our downtime to also be on a screen, right? So minimize it and then add a blue light filter. You can, add, you can wear those glasses, but if, you're, if you don't like that, then there's downloadable apps on your, for your phone and your desktop that allow you to filter the blue light, okay? But that's a simple thing that absolutely everyone's willing to do because it doesn't cost anything and it doesn't take any time. Now, the other things do take a little bit of effort. The other really critical thing when it comes to sleep hygiene is regularizing your sleep times. Your, your go to sleep and wake up too, okay? So if you're constantly kind of shifting those hours, the body never really quite knows when you're supposed to be asleep and when you're supposed to be awake and for how long to keep you asleep. So our, our bodies produce adenosine as a metabolic byproduct. It is the sleep factor that increases sleep drive the longer we're awake. Adults need to be awake for 16 hours to really amass that adenosine and then have great sleep onset and good sleep duration with good quality sleep. The problem is if people start um, changing their sleep-wake times, you know, for example, they're staying up later on on a Saturday night, Sunday night they figure they'll sleep in till 10 a.m., but then they want to get to bed nice and early on Sunday night in order to get a good night's sleep for Monday. Well, if you've slept until 10 a.m. and then you're in bed at 10 p.m. nice and early, you've been awake 12 hours. Is that enough time to have a good onset of sleep? No, it's not. So that person will either have difficulty initiating sleep, they'll be up in the night during a period of time, or they'll wake quite early the next morning. I All of those are iterations of what happens to that block of sleep that comes the the night after. And so you can see how this displaced kind of rhythm or no rhythm really affects our our circadian patterns and just fragments our sleep. Um, And naps can do that too for the same reason. They sort of clear some of that adenosine. So you're better powering through unless nap is part of your regular everyday existence. And in our part of the world, it simply isn't. So prioritizing nighttime sleep with good stable sleep hours within 30 minutes of every day you should be getting to sleep and waking up roughly the same time if you're having trouble you have to commit to that seven days a week regardless of temptations right exceptions you know are exceptions 
but then you have to keep the room very dark. So again, people going to bed uh, and bringing electronics into the bedroom, citing that this is their alarm clock. And I say, you know what? They still sell those digital little things that emit, emit very little light. Those things from like the 80s or whatever. Those are awful looking. But guess what? They don't they don't give a, a, a lot of light into the room, and they'll wake you up just as well as your phone will. So plug that phone in outside of the bedroom, preferably on a different floor. Don't have television screens in your room. Create an environment for sleep in your room. Don't work in your bed because then you'll associate your bedroom with a place that's associated, like is stressful. So the room is for sleeping, sleeping only. It's dark, pitch dark. This mm -hmm. time of year, you need blackout curtains. Mm -hmm. Okay, it makes a difference. I've had people put them in and say, I'm regularly sleeping 30 extra minutes and, and I feel fantastic. And that's all maybe you need. 30 extra minutes. Keep it cool in there. Don't put heavy sheets on yourself. Okay. Um, what else? Obviously, don't fall into this pattern of stimulation in the afternoon with caffeine. Some people are exquisitely sensitive, myself being one. I often say, you know, after the morning coffee, caffeine free day. Okay. Because if you need that afternoon pick me up, you're just going to keep needing it because guess what? It's going to interfere with your sleep quality and you're in this vicious cycle. Alcohol before in the evening, very disruptive, right? Um, it's tempting to use it to calm down. Sleep can be initiated more quickly, but ultimately quality of sleep is eroded. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, other final comment, because uh, I, I go on and on, this is my husband once said, you should Hold be on. like a sleep hygienist of some kind. And I'm like, well, here I am, you know, and this was like going back. Right. Um, the final thing is eating too close to bedtime. This is known disruptive, you know, and, and for many reasons, we shouldn't be eating in the evening very much. So aiming to have dinner finished by 7 p.m. And I know a lot of people out there will be like, oh, my God, what? Well, I guess it depends when you're going to bed. But eating within two hours of that bedtime is going to be disruptive. No, those are great, Tina, because I, it's probably the number one complaint that we get amongst healthcare providers is how we like really get improve our sleep quality. And, you know, luckily we had a expert also, uh, Ruan, uh, uh, who's a sleep specialist mentioned a lot of the stuff that you're, you, you've brought up here, but it's, it never hurts to reinforce, mm -hmm. you know, like, cause you, when you have enough experts saying the same thing, because I, I, I could promise you a, a heavy percent of people are still bringing their phones into their room. They're still scrolling two minutes before they turn off their light. You know, like it's, you know, those I don't are know. Habit. they're habits. I, yeah. And I mean, I can't wait for you to, re you should bring you back after you read the atomic habits book. I right? will. Cause it's, I will. It's, it's, it's all about creating realistic goals, but also rewarding yourself, you know, after you've been able to create those, uh, those atomic habits and so um you know feel feeling good celebrating the wins but um yeah sleep definitely a monster one when it comes to overall well-being oh for sure for sure and honestly it is hard it's hard to undo previous habits um and that's where you know you can hear it from a million experts but then why aren't you doing it and that's where i come in right because people know what the food guide says they know they understand most people understand quite well that they should be eating more vegetables and less processed food the issue is why aren't they doing it and that's where we get into it right? We get into it. It's like, well, what does your day look like? What does your time management look like? What can you say no to? Where can you bring back a little bit more time from, from somewhere else? And, 
And that's sort of the external layer to all of this that I bring, okay, that goes beyond sort of saying, okay, here's a prescriptive list of exercises, uh, you know, nutritional interventions and sleep recommendations, bye-bye. Yeah. Because that, you know, that just doesn't help people. A hundred percent. The other one conversation that you and I, I think we haven't talked about this, but the fact that you brought it up a couple of times, I'm a big believer and evaluator of time management. I, mm. I, I studied, I've studied this so I could be as productive as possible. Um, but it is, uh, it's something that is a skill that we, I don't think we think about enough. Something as simple as making sure your emails don't get pinged to your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like really stacking your, stacking your life as much as you can food prep, all that, all these kind of little things, they add up to being able to be as efficient as possible with your time. For me too, I'll, um, we didn't talk about this because I think it's a bit more advanced, but my my workouts during the a work week, it's all high intensity interval training. You hammer out a workout in seven minutes and you're mm-hmm. gassed, you know, and when you look at some of the evidence of how effective high intensity yeah. interval training is or HIIT yep. training, yep. man, like... You get in and get out, get in, get out. Don't flop around on the floor doing all kinds of useless (laughs) things. What do you want for your health? You want to get in and you want to get out because that's what you're going to do every day because you have time. And also that's the biggest bang for your buck. We know that that's the form of exercise that you need to be doing. Right. But it's uncomfortable. And so we need to talk about why you don't like discomfort. And that's the same for hunger. While I reach for food every second because I'm uncomfortable sitting with it, I'm bored, I'm used to eating. And those are the kinds of eating behaviors that kind of surround nutrition, right? That nobody talks about either. Okay, great. So I should eat more vegetables. But what what happens when I'm uh, always eating uh, because I eat when I look at my my screen? This is an association. You just have to break it, right? Tina, what I'm going to like about this, because... We're just scratching the surface. We are. This is going to be Tina 2.0. We'll talk about the psychological aspect of things and maybe some a little bit, some of the more advanced tiered stuff when it comes to nutrition and exercise. Because, uh, you know, there's I think so you, many things. Yeah, you got so many. But, guys, this is what I'm talk, talking about, Tina McKinnis. This is why I was so excited. Knowledge, experience, realism. She's a big picture, too, guys. Tina. I don't know. We didn't talk about this before, but can people get a hold of you in any shape or form? Or do you have, like follow you on whatever you want? Oh, yeah. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Coach McKinnis. Um, I gave up updating my web page, I'm afraid. So if you're not big on social media, just, you know, whip me uh, an email. Uh, I can answer your questions. I can engage with you. I always offer um you know, uh, my time for anyone who's considering working with me and what that might look like for them, uh, whether it's a good fit and all that. So my email is Tina at coach So I guess that's the best way. And maybe this is a prompt for myself to kind of get back on that web page. Hey, delegate that. That's what I'm delegate saying. that. Oh yeah, yeah sure. That, Who to my children, my team no, back you, here. Oh no, this is what, this is my productivity tip. This is productivity yes. number three. Delegate, that delegate, off. delegate, to, delegate. Yes. Yeah, go to Upwork. Go to okay. Uh, go to uh, Fever. Fever. You could hire somebody to set up your web page and all that stuff for like two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it once and do it right. No, you're actually, right. I got and, somebody and, for you. I, actually, oh. Kim Sutton. I, okay. Come on. She did. She did our page. I'll send you uh, a referral. Thanks. 
So, sure. yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. And the, the time management thing is a big piece, eh? especially for oh. time crunched healthcare workers. I think we want to exactly. help them to figure out how to, you know, literally work in, you need to understand how to use fragments of time. Mm -hmm. I have 10 minutes. What am I going to clear off the desk? You have to have a system for where that, what shows up on that desk and how to prioritize the items. Right. And, you know, you maximally utilizing tools. Like I would be nothing without my Google calendar, nothing. And my whiteboard, which sits right here. And I write down, okay, what's today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, yes, prioritizing. It's it's not even like, because some people will just like, it's all about knocking off the to-do list. What is the priority? What is the thing that's going to, often it's only one or two things you really need to get done. And so, um, yes, I can't wait. That's, that's going to be conversation number two. We'll say, let's, let's aim for July. Yeah. 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 And the language you use too. I'll get to that. Right. No, no, no. You're, uh, you're doing it. Yeah. Like if you're thinking it, you're doing it. And you know, I know you're like that because, you know, the second we just, it's, you know, it's about the email comes, boom, you deal with it. Yeah, if you can go. clean it up and deal with it right then you do it. Yeah. Right. That's it. Multiple tiny tasks immediately out of your hands. Just deal with it right away on the spot. Yeah. I think it's David Allen. I use David Allen's rule, two minute rule. If you think mm. you could do it within two minutes, just do, do it, it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, like I, I do so, try and prioritize like, uh, you know, I don't go through all of them. It will be like what the ones that I think I could do within two minutes. That's it. That's yeah. exactly it. Tina, I love it. I love it. I'm so excited <laughs> for further collaboration. And I know me too. Really. I like after you called me that day, I was just like, boom, my purpose is here. Like I actually have a, a platform for what I've been trying to do. Yes. And for my own peeps, like, you know, when you said, well, our conversation was really quite hilarious, like just for everybody to know, you're just like (laughs) thinking you're reaching out to a personal trainer. Like, can you do a few exercise classes? I'm like, dude, I will do anything for this, like for this initiative, because it speaks to me. I was a physician who needed help. My mouth dropped literally. I was in a lot <laughs> I could hear it like through the phone. It was like I think his mind just blew up. I, it I'm legit, not sure, it, but I think it- I had. I think it was Mother's Day. I had a bunch of because my mother-in-law is here too, and Arnett, so I had like a bunch of flowers in my hand, and I was just like, I was. I think I stopped in my tracks, and I was like, what? And I was just standing in the middle of the street. I'm like, yeah, me and, T- <laughs> Tina and I got to dance, yo, like for real. Same. And I was like, I got off that call and I was like, boom, boom. This is it. This is what I was meant to do. So amazing. Exciting. Quadcast Nation, Sullivan Wellness Community. You're going to get way more Tina down the road. But once again, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. It meant the world to us. And uh, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much.